0: Welcome to the Sustaining Healthy podcast, a collection of informative discussions around all aspects of health and lifestyle.
1: We're your hosts. I'm Chelsea, coffee lover and corporate professional who recently realised there's a lot to learn about health.
0: I'm Ellen, doctor, nutritionist and dog mum with an interest in preventative and female health. Join us as we chat about a new topic each week and attempt to navigate the complex landscape of health.
1: Together we wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we are recording, the Wajak people.
0: And just a reminder, our intention for this podcast is to share information for creating and sustaining a healthy lifestyle, and although the information discussed is based on knowledge gained through a medical and additional studies, it is general in nature and for educational and entertainment purposes. It is not intended to be in any form specific medical advice or recommendations or replace any form of treatment. All health queries and concerns should always be sought through your treating health practitioner with regards to your individual circumstances. The opinions in this podcast are solely of those of the individual and do not in any way reflect those of their employers or training facilitators.
1: Episode six of Sustaining Healthy. How are you? How was your week?
0: Good. can't believe we're at six already. Uh, my week has been better than last week. Puppy is recovering. I don't know how this has become an update on my dog each week, <laughs> but, you know. Wait, I'll, I'll,
1: I'll add something there. My dog had his first groom today.
0: Well, oh, just... look, we can create a section called Puppy Chat. <laughs> I like that. Um, Sorry, you go. Uh, yeah, no, it's been a good week. I am working in pediatrics this week, which I've really enjoyed. And yeah, how about you?
1: Yeah, good. Um, I know I have to come up with a health win, but I'm a little bit stumped. I'm still getting up at the same time every day, so that's good. And I think... My week's been busy, but good. Busy with work, but despite that, I'm still managing to head to the park for a walk or a run like once or twice a day with the dog. So
0: That's amazing.
1: I think I'll take that as my health win this week.
0: Plenty of fresh air by the sounds of it.
1: Yeah, and the weather's been good for it.
0: Yeah, just Although cold. one day,
1: I went in the rain one day. So yeah. I have been committing.
0: It was seven degrees this morning. Breezing. Freezing. Freezing. Uh, my health win for the week is that I have been focusing on my nighttime routine and have been charging my phone on the other side of the room so that I don't scroll before bed and I have to get out of bed when my alarm goes off in the morning. And it's actually been really good. I feel like I've spent a lot less time on my phone.
1: I, I love that. And when you said other side of the room, I had this vision of it being on Brad's side of the room, and then every time your alarm went off, he was forced to get up, and he would hate that. Yeah, no, he just doesn't wake up when my alarm goes <laughs> off, so it's fine. Um, So episode six, today's episode, what are we chatting about? So I thought today
0: we could discuss, and uh, have a bit of a conversation around the current Australian dietary recommendations which might sound a bit boring but i think it's really important because there is so much nutrition diet supplement information that we're bombarded with each day through news social media all of that that it can become really confusing and this might help with just going back to the basics of what's recommended with an evidence base i guess
1: I actually think this is a great topic because I don't think I've looked at the healthy eating guidelines since primary school and I actually forgot they existed. So, you know, as you become an adult, uh, maybe it's just me, but you get tied up in all the other sort of diets and fads that exist. And um, I've definitely tried a few of them, but I forget that you can take it back to the basics, which is really researched and evidence-based approaches to how to navigate this. So I'm keen to chat about it. Yeah, so like I said, this is the current
0: guidelines at the moment. And so the Australian Dietary Guidelines have been created by the National Health and Medical Research Council in the Department of Health. And so we'll make sure we link the references. So if you wanted to have a look at the guidelines or do some further reading, you can. So these guidelines are aimed to promote health and reduce the risk of chronic diseases that we know are related to nutrition. So these include things like cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes and some cancers that account for a big proportion of the morbidity and mortality that Australians are affected by. And so that's why it makes it really relevant to, to know what these guidelines say and have a think about how we can all try and incorporate them into our lifestyle also obviously important to note that these are very general guidelines created for education but obviously don't account for people that have specific dietary requirements because of
1: medical conditions or other factors okay so here's what i remember about the healthier eating guidelines there's a food pyramid that's about all i remember yeah, Is so that still the case? It's
0: no longer a pyramid anymore. Ah. It's a circle that's divided into different proportions.
1: Hmm. Is that the same? Like, why? It has a similar idea. I think okay. it's just
0: been updated with the evidence uh, and breaks it down into the different whole foods. So should we go through them? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to focus on two of the five guidelines today. So guideline two says that we should enjoy a wide variety of nutritious foods that come from these five food groups every day. So it includes plenty of vegetables with different types and colours and legumes and beans, fruit, grains and mostly as whole grains, including high cereal fibre varieties. So these are your breads, cereals, rice, pastas, etc., Uh, Lean meat and poultry, fish, eggs or tofu, nuts, legumes are all in that same group, depending if you are plant-based or or not. And then your other, your fifth group is your milk, dairy or
1: alternatives. Okay, so... I was about to repeat the five groups back to to you. But can you just repeat them back to me? Yes. Yeah, without so, the breakdown. So what yeah, I they? Like? Yeah,
0: exactly. So your vegetables, your fruit, grains and cereals, your lean meats or the plant based alternatives of those proteins, mm-hmm. uh, and then your dairy or their alternatives are basically those five main food groups, and they come they're recommended in different proportions. Where does
1: dessert fit into that?
0: (laughs) So that comes into guideline three. Okay. That we, of course, it shouldn't be that we completely have to exclude anything from our diet, all in balance and moderation. So guideline three is that we should limit the intakes of food that contain saturated fats, added salt, added sugars, and alcohol. Okay. And, of course, when we're saying minimal intake of alcohol. It means no intake for those that are under eighteen or are pregnant or breastfeeding, as we know the recommendations.
1: Yes, you love a good disclaimer, don't you? You're <laughs> such a doctor. It's just education. <laughs> I know, it's important to say. Um so obviously back when it was a food pyramid it was easy to understand the breakdown of food groups and what portion sizes you should have within your meals Um, because like the big area of the triangle you should consume the most which I think was vegetables and fruits but I can't quite remember so how does it work now like those five groups you just mentioned how should you break your diet down between those
0: yeah so it is a similar representation of but it's now in a circle format with the proportions of each food group and I'd recommend if you want to have a look at it you can google it or look at the link that we'll put in the show notes to have that visual representation there are also number of servings of particular food groups so for example vegetables or fruit and this is dependent on both gender and age and so they differ depending on the individual
1: cool that all makes sense um i'm actually really stuck on the fact that this has gone from a triangle to a circle <laughs> like clearly they're still doing a lot of research in this are area are
0: getting the
1: key points of today or just about are we
0: learning about shapes <laughs>
1: <laughs> i am getting the key points but like they're obviously still focusing their energy in this space because you know it's really important so Tell me more about the evidence behind this and more importantly, like, as a nation, are we still hitting these guidelines?
0: Yeah, so interesting, the Australian Bureau of Statistics have actually just released some data uh, from the most recent National Health Survey. So over 2020, 2021 was uh, when the data collected. Keeping in mind that that was obviously during the COVID pandemic and things have all been a little bit different but just for example looking at fruits and vegetables it showed that only 6.1% of Australian adults are meeting the recommended servings and so when that's broken down it was about two in five people met their recommended servings of fruit and only one in ten are uh, their vegetable recommendations. So obviously we've got a lot of room to move in terms of as a nation reaching those
1: goals and those recommendations. Um 1 in 10 people hitting that vegetable stat is actually quite concerning. That's yeah. very low. And then I'm reflecting on my diet and I'm like it's probably days where I'm I'm the no the 9 out of 10 that aren't hitting it. Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yikes.
0: And so obviously that's an important thing to think about in that we're not saying that everyone needs to hit these every day because life happens, things happen, and it's unreasonable. No one's perfect to expect that you're going to reach it every day. But if I guess the idea is that you are most days or more days, then you're not.
1: So what is that guideline, 2.5 veg.
0: Depending on your age and gender, but yes. Because, yeah, you never forget that. That's drilled into you. Yeah. And so obviously also when we're talking about this, there's different things to think about. There's one step of the conversation we're having at the moment about understanding what is recommended for a particular individual depending on... Their age and requirements and things. But then there's obviously a much broader and more complicated conversation to have around the determinants of health and why someone might be able to access or follow the guidelines for many factors outside of their control. So it's a far more complex issue than just expecting people to be told what a guideline is and and be able to meet
1: it. Yeah, you're right there, Ells. And I think that's why it's called guidelines. You know, it's not necessarily saying it's rules and you have to follow it or things won't be okay, but it's saying it's guidelines. This is just like best practice to aim towards acknowledging your individual circumstances.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's why when we're talking about public health issues or topics like nutrition, it has to be, have so many other facets than just the recommendations for the individual, but how the all those other aspects are addressed.
1: Cool. So, yeah, I think it's really important to acknowledge that, um, like you just said. So looking broader at the guidelines and healthier eating, is there anything else you were wanting to cover or dive into? Yes.
0: Yeah, so one thing I thought we could note from the guidelines is that they're all – Referring to foods in terms of them being whole foods. So we're looking at those food groups as the way that we eat them. So rather than talking about breaking down their particular nutrient components. So what I mean by that is obviously there's macronutrients and micronutrients as components of our food. And which we can go into a little bit more detail. But if guidelines were in accordance with those, it's not the reality of how we eat them. And so that I really like the guidelines reflect that because it makes it a lot easier to follow. But I thought we could just touch on what macronutrients and micronutrients are just to help with that understanding.
1: Yeah, please kick us off with a definition of both.
0: Yeah, so our macronutrients are carbohydrates, proteins and fats. So I feel like each of these have been victimized by diet culture in their particular times, but really important to note that all three are really important as part of our diet and that all can be part of a healthy diet. So carbohydrates can be simple or complex in their form and they can be broken down to glucose, which is used as energy by the body. And some examples of carbohydrates include fruits, vegetables, different grains, and then obviously are in some of our processed foods. And that's where I think it can get that negative connotation in some ways. But really important to know that this is you know one of our main energy sources. Protein is our next macronutrient that is made up of what we call amino acids. And they're really important for a lot of different functions in the body. For some examples of high-protein sources are meats, fishes, egg, and then also plant sources of nuts, legumes, and seeds. And then we've also got fats as our other macronutrient. And fats can be broken into the two groups of saturated and unsaturated. Which you might have heard of before, and so we predominantly want more of the unsaturated fats in our diet, and that refers to uh, so our olive oils, nuts, avocado, and then our saturated fats are more about animal fats, butter, coconut oil.
1: Um, did you just did I hear correctly that coconut oil and olive oil fall into different categories there?
0: Yeah, so it's quite interesting. Coconut oil had its phase of being classified Mm. as you know a healthy food but in actual fact it's a saturated fat whereas olive oil are the unsaturated fats which is what is more recommended in for a nutritious
1: Mm. healthy diet interesting one of my favorite snacks is popcorn anyone who knows me will know i love making popcorn and i always cook it in coconut oil mostly because it tastes great but that's just interesting to know
0: Sorry, I did not respond to you.
1: (laughs) So it's just a very general overview of
0: those macronutrients and different percentages of them making up an overall diet are recommended depending on the individual. But like I said before, it's more realistic and easier to think about it in terms of those food groups rather than trying to break down the macronutrients in too much detail. The other group is the micronutrients which this is our vitamins and minerals and we won't go into the specifics of those within that group but just important to note that they each have different specific roles that are really important in the function of the human body and that it's important to be getting sufficient amounts of them.
1: Now, I know vitamins and minerals are important and I understand the different vitamins that exist, but what actually are minerals? Yeah, so the difference between
0: the two are that vitamins are organic substances and so they can be broken down. And we also categorize vitamins into fat soluble and water soluble. And so our fat soluble vitamins are your A, D, E and K. Um, and then the others, so your different B vitamins, folate, vitamin C are all your water-soluble, whereas minerals are inorganic substances, so they aren't broken able to be broken down in the same way. So some of the examples, say, are calcium, iron, magnesium, and there's more under that umbrella but we won't go into too much detail today
1: ah uh, yes i just w- couldn't think what they would be but that makes complete sense it's also getting late here and i'm tired so
0: <laughs> yeah i think we're pretty close to wrapping up um I guess just my last point on those micronutrients is that in general most people can get sufficient amounts from They're having a healthy, balanced diet and don't necessarily need supplements. There are particular caveats to that Uh, and that there can be some risks with, you know, overusing or overdosing in some supplements. So they aren't just as benign as people might think.
1: Mm. Well, you're right. We are coming to the end of the episode and I just – I had one more thought because I was reading the guidelines as you were talking before so I could get up to speed. And I noticed that they actually mention limiting intake of foods and drinks containing added salt. So I think that's another thing that we sometimes forget. But the healthy guidelines actually tell us to read labels and choose lower sodium options among similar foods, which, um, yeah, it's just interesting to be reminded of that. And that was a completely random thought. I feel like we should come up with a term for when <laughs> I have a random thought relating to the topic that is not in the correct order.
0: All right. You work on the term <laughs> and that. bring that up next week. Okay. I think that must be time for us to go. If, as usual, if you would like to find us, we are sustaining.healthy on Instagram and you can find our website at
1: www.sustaininghealthy.com. See? So that was www.sustaininghealthy.com. Thank you. Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> or oh, you didn't say it very well.
0: <laughs> See you next <laughs> All week. All right, bye.